Hello, everybody. Welcome to the audio newsroom. Really excited for today's session. And today we have a lot of stories to cover. It's a really exciting day in the podcast news world. And uh, you're going to hear the news from us first. And the reason why we decided to create this room is because we felt like there was a gap in terms of all the different news stories going on in the podcasting space, as well as the social audio space. As you guys know, there's different news stories floating around every single day. It's really hard to keep abreast of all the changes happening and what we need to care about versus what is just noise. And so this is why we've created this forum. It's meant to be interactive. It's meant for you guys to raise your hands and give us your news stories when you hear them or any trends that you're seeing or any topics that you want to discuss. It's it's meant to be an interactive session. We do have an agenda, but you know things can move in whatever direction depending on some of the topics that come up organically during this conversation. And then the last thing that I'll say is that throughout the week, we will be having people coming up from different companies, like for example, Spotify or Facebook or Chartable, who will come up and tell us about their product updates. And then we will be able to have open Q&A with these executives and hear the news and the product updates from the people who know the answers. So um, that's what you guys can look forward to in these rooms. And I would love to introduce my co-hosts, Steve Ulsher and Raven on the panel. Let's kick it over to Raven for now, if you want to introduce yourself to the audience. Raven. Absolutely. First of all, good morning, Holla and Steve and everyone. This is Raven. I'm known as the talk show Maven. And I love this audio newsroom because it is actually, it is educating me so much on what's going on out there, Holla. It's so exciting. And so I'm happy to be here. And I see Steve here. So we'll kick it over to Steve. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Wednesday's edition here of the audio newsroom. Uh, my name is Steve Olsher. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine and the creator here of Club Pod. And uh, looking forward to another fun session here with Holland Raven. Awesome. So the way that we're going to do it today is basically a round robin of me, Steve, and Raven giving you guys the news. And like I said, if you guys have something to add, just raise your hand. We'll bring you right up on stage. You know, this is an interactive, open discussion. It's a community forum. So don't be shy to raise your hand and give your perspectives, especially if you're an expert in this space or you've got some different, a different side of the story or something like that. So I'm going to kick it off with the first news story. So Robin Hood has a competitor app named Public, and they are launching their own in-app live audio programming. So this is technically another Clubhouse competitor, but I think that there are some key differences that we need to understand. So first of all, this company is rolling out this feature in-app, and it is a trading and social networking app. So you guys may have seen a lot of these like cryptocurrency rooms in Clubhouse and there's like a big community of crypto influencers who are on this app. I think they're specifically competing with those rooms and in that space. So the idea of this new feature that's coming out on public is that they're going to have curated rooms about three events a week, and they're going to be hosted by like podcasters that are pretty influential, other social audio influencers, and very curated rooms that look like they're being presented by public the app. So it's not the same type of a platform with Clubhouse where like anybody can start a room. It seems like it is more branded where public is basically presenting some audio social media within their app. So I think it's a a bit different than Clubhouse, but it is interesting that this app is launching another, yet another live audio feature. And it's just, you know, another one to add to the list in terms of Clubhouse competitors. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think that's anything to worry about? I mean, let me just say this, which is we are witnessing the, this is a really interesting point in time because we're witnessing literally the birth of a brand new industry. Right. So social audio or drop in audio, whatever you want to call it, is literally a brand new industry. Right. And so what I love about what they're doing here is when you look at Clubhouse as a whole, what do you notice? You notice that it is a million different people talking about a million different things. Let's compare it to the birth of another industry, dating apps. Right. And you look at what happened in the world of of dating apps. At first, it was this birth of this new industry. You want to find a date. There's not enough people online. So you get off. Then it's like, okay, fine. Now you go back onto the app and, okay, there's more people on. And so it's this cart before the horse sort of thing. And then before you know it, you've got enough people on there where it's like, okay, well, 
this industry begins to make sense. So now people are investing money into it, more and more users, people are finding love, getting married, et cetera, et cetera. What happens next? Well, now you've got this big, huge pool that everybody's in, you know, certain like match and, and eHarmony and so on, right? What happens next? What happens is that after the industry itself is validated, then it begins to niche down. And so what this really looks like to me is the niching down of social audio. And this happened a lot faster than I ever thought that it would in, in, in my way of thinking. This is a great move forward because when you come on to Clubhouse, it's this huge wide open playing field of a million different conversations. Whereas if you go to public as an example, you're going there for very specific conversations about a very specific subject. So in my mind, this is a beautiful step forward in the advancement of the industry as a whole. I think it's a really positive thing. Those are some really interesting points in terms of like, we're starting to see it niche down and it's moving so fast. I think it's so interesting. There's so much opportunity in this space. I find it super exciting and validating that I am in the right space. I am in a space that is still growing, still has lots of room to grow and not mature. So let's move on to the next story. Maybe, Steve, do you want to take this Clubhouse Android launch story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So many of you are familiar with the fact that Clubhouse now opened <coughs> up to Android. And, well, they now have reported over a million Android users have signed up to the platform over the last two weeks. And so... It may not sound a lot, but like a lot of people, but that's really a significant amount of people when you consider that Clubhouse reported having 2 million users in total back in January. And so the app itself has been downloaded about 15 million times, according to data from Sensor Tower, and it's still in invite-only mode. So two, you know, over a million Android users have signed up in, over the last two weeks. That's That's pretty darn good in my way of thinking, but it is still an invite-only mode, right? And so we got to figure out what that next big challenge is and how does Clubhouse continue to scale? And, and, and certainly it's going to be to open it up to all users so that it can fully capitalize on the growth opportunities. And, and many of you may have heard uh, that last month they raised a huge amount of capital. And so they're going to be investing and deploying that capital to scale. And so what I will what I will say is that I can certainly see in the jobs board there, they're hiring like crazy. So if you ever wanted to work for Clubhouse and you're like, hey, this is a great company, um, they're hiring for a whole bunch of positions. So Android, the expansion, a million downloads in, in two weeks, these are all really impressive things going on here as they're beginning to deploy a lot of that capital. So what do you guys think? So this, this is a perfect opportunity for us to open this up. I see Dragon came up here. And so if you want to raise your hand, and be a part of the conversation. What do you think about the Android launch? What do you think? And if you're an Android user, why don't you share uh, perhaps what your experience has been here on the app over the last week? Of course, we would love to hear from you as well. Dragon, did you want to comment on this or did you have something else you wanted to share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, I'm, I'm interested in this. First of all, great to be here. Hala, love the room. Thanks for always just dishing out such great stuff. And Steve, you know, it's funny when I'm sitting in the uh, audience, I just remember the first time I ever used Clubhouse, one of the first rooms I came in and I heard your voice and I raised my hand and I started talking to you and all of a sudden I became somebody. So <laughs> you're just helping so many people, Steve. I appreciate that. I bless you, my friend. You have been granted access to greatness. <laughs> Allow me to do that for you, my friend. <laughs> you are knighted. So two things. I mean, we were all wondering when the Android thing was going to happen. And then the, I remember they said next month it's going to happen. And then it officially happened. So we're obviously, I mean, I'm a club pod leader. So I'm, we just had a room this morning and you're starting to see a lot, new, a lot of new party hats come in. So it's interesting from a scaling standpoint. I think that this new influx of people is an interesting metric to look at to see where Clubhouse is going next how they're going to be able to accommodate it. Are we going to go to that exponential growth? And I think we are. What's interesting though, Steve, and anybody else that can comment, it's interesting that we're watching the Android users go through some of the things that we went through, Apple users, in the very beginning. And what I mean by that is they don't have the ability to link to their Instagram. And you know they, they still have some of these limitations. So I, I'm fascinated to know if anybody knows about this, are they just trying to catch up or is there some sort of a shift in 
the Android user experience where they can't have the same things. I mean, because it's, it's frustrating for them. You can't go DM them and you got to look them up. Yeah. So I can give some color to that. I used to work for Disney streaming services. And so I have a lot of experience with like app updates and things like that. And essentially it's, they have two instances of their app. They have the iOS version and the Android version, and they've merged both of them together. And the Android version still doesn't have all the features as iOS because they're still testing them and rolling them out. And so it's just behind, you know, it will get there. It's just that they've released a previous version and the iOS version is way more advanced. So they're basically maintaining two different apps. You can almost think of it that way. I just think it's interesting that they launched it without it being like really officially ready. And I almost wonder if that was on purpose. Let me just provide some insight. So having been in the tech space, we launched a Compu store on CompuServe's Electronic Mall in 1993. Like that's how far back I go online. And that company became Liquor.com, uh, which we eventually sold to Barry Diller's IAC. So here's what I know about the technology space in general is that when you're in a position like this where you are ostensibly the category leader, the category creator, and a lot of people argue, well, look, Clubhouse wasn't the first one to do audio. I mean, you got blog talk radio and you've got this and this, that, the other. Okay, fine. They were certainly the first one to really popularize it in terms of it being an app, right? Something on your phone, not a web-based sort of global talk radio station channel, if you will. What I know to be true is that in the tech space, when you have that sort of head start and immediately you see competitors with much deeper pockets like the Twitters of the world, obviously with Zuckerberg and Facebook and everything that's going on there and the other folks who have these huge ginormous teams and the huge amounts of capital and bankroll to be able to create the product that they would love to have created if they had the pockets and wherewithal to do it. Sometimes it just becomes a preventative step, right? It just becomes a first to market. It becomes a further barrier to entry. And as crappy as it is with all the features missing and this, that, and the other, it at least gives people the opportunity to jump into the game as opposed to starting somewhere else. Because if you're not going into the world of social, in other words, if you are starting out in social audio or dropping audio, again, whatever we're calling it here, and you have the choice of going to a competitor or going to your platform, you're, even if all the features aren't there, you want them to start with you. And then they'll look at everything else as a bonus that is added. What they haven't done a great job at, I don't believe, and what they will continue to do and improve upon, as I'm seeing every week in the town hall and so on, is just being really communicative with folks as they come on board and letting them know, and even existing users letting them know what is down, you know, coming down the pipeline and so on. So the fact of the matter is that it's better to, and again, this is just from a technology perspective and from a business decision perspective, it's better to have a clunky product that works and gets someone on board and in the game, then they have no product at all, Dragon. Very cool. And I, I just, while you're talking, because I've watched how much it's grown since we started, and also, you know, just unbelievable, Hollow, what you've accomplished in just the past two months. But, you know, just thinking we're almost at 60,000 at Club Pod, just thinking about how hopping a room is going to be when we're at 120,000. So this is Dragon. I'm complete. This is Raven. One thing that I noticed right away, though, is Androids are having a huge issue with actually being in the app. I'm hearing from a lot of people that have Android that they get these invites and they, they're waiting quite a while on the waiting list. I know you brought this up the other day, Stephen, we were talking about it that you think that they may lose some people or something similar to that because people you know, are getting frustrated about the process. Do you think that's going to get any better? It's where they Android people will actually be able to be invited and actually be off the waiting list and into the app, because that's where I'm getting a lot of feedback from. wonder if anybody else has an opinion on that. I don't have an opinion directly on that, but Something that I want you guys to keep in mind is that there's a lot of problems that come with growing too fast for these apps. And I think that Clubhouse is being a bit strategic, kind of having some sort of a gated process so that they're not overwhelmed. We already see how glitchy this app is. This app is so glitchy, right? And 
every time there seems to be a new update or an influx of users, it's mayhem and, you know, the algorithm breaks and people don't have anybody in their rooms and everything just seems to be messed up. And so I think that they're purposely, to some degree, like not opening the floodgates and saying everybody on the wait list can come on the app because I think they realize that they really do have a lot of technical issues and glitches to resolve before they open it up to the public 100%. So I think that they're, they're taking a strategic approach to not overwhelm their servers or whatever is making the app so glitchy. I do see that we have Adam and Matt on the stage. What are your thoughts? Adam, if you want to kick it off. Yeah, this is Adam. Uh, first of all, appreciate the room. I think this is really, really interesting. You know, I think the Android users, there's a lot of Android users I talked to at the onset of when Clubhouse was really making its way in the iOS were felt left out. So I think it makes sense that they're pushing the platform just to be live for Android users first without full functionality. And like you mentioned, you know, there's different development stages and Sometimes just getting out there, I think, is a huge benefit. But to me, the biggest drawback or the biggest challenge is going to be to really get the Android users onboarded quickly because there's already such an established user base with the iOS world that I wonder if there'll be some some dropout in the first couple of months from Android users that just don't feel like they're connecting because they're joining rooms with really established users. And this is Adam. I'm done speaking. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great point, right? And so there's two sides of the of, of the coin there. Like, oh, I mean, just think about it this way, right, Adam? It's a great point. So if I'm a creator and I'm coming onto the platform, like I can tell you for me personally, like I'm at 34,400 followers. The growth that I've experienced over the last two months really pales in comparison to the growth that I had over the first three months. Right. And so if you're a new user, you're coming on and playing catch up in terms of followers requires a lot of hours. It requires a lot. It requires a lot of time, a lot of dedication. It can happen. Absolutely. It can happen. But I will tell you that there is always something to be said for having a first mover advantage. So from a creator standpoint, unless you have a massive following elsewhere and you're driving people from that other following to this platform, gaining a lot of followers or building a, a, a large club, again, not impossible, just becomes increasingly difficult as more and more people come into the app and as other people have, shall we say, a, li a little bit more of a head start. So I totally can see that from an Android perspective. If I'm a creator coming in, like, man, you know, I've, I've been on here for a month and I've been on, I've been doing, or two weeks or whatever it is, and I've been doing stuff every single day and I've got 212 followers. Like, I could see how that would be frustrating. At the same token, what I would encourage people to think about is if you believe in the industry, if you're an Android user and you believe in the industry and you're enjoying the rooms and you're enjoying these conversations, then I would just ask you to be patient and ask you to stay the course. And, and what I believe to be true is that even if you start today, you're not massively behind folks like myself who started in December. I mean, it's not like you're, you're four years behind everyone else right and so this is still a brand new industry there's still a lot of opportunity here and the fact of the matter is that in terms of users if we look at the number of users and whatever that number is if we just use i don't know 15 million i mean there's a different numbers floating around some people have said 20 million some people have said 15 whatever it is 15 or 20 it's irrelevant it pales in comparison when you compare that to the number of users on the other platforms such as instagram or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or Twitter, et cetera. So if we start to see that same sort of growth, and if the trend line continues and moves towards that sort of growth, anyone and everyone who participates and plays full out on this platform is going to reap the benefits of that growth. Yeah, I totally agree, Steve. And I see that we have Matt on the stage. Did you have something to contribute to this topic specifically? I do. Yeah, thanks, Hala. Yeah, I've been working in QA and mobile apps for about nine years as a day job. And I can say hey, definitely with Android, uh, from a QA perspective, it's much harder to test for because there's a lot more devices and a lot more different operating systems. That being said, I do agree that Clubhouse overall, you know, tends to crash without any reason and tends to be fairly buggy. That'll improve with time. I think the number one feature 
Clubhouse could benefit from, considering how much crossover there is with podcasting, albeit that Clubhouse is a live platform, is to have like a record button that will automatically add a record notice to the title of a room. I'm Matt, and I'm done speaking. Thanks, Matt. Mark, did you have anything to add to this specific topic about Android users flocking to Clubhouse with the rollout being officially over? Yeah, thanks for having me, Hall. I mean, I was just listening to Steve talking, and that first mover advantage is really real. It's really important. But, you know, also to Steve's point, like, it's it's certainly not too late, right? You, you always want to be trying new things. But I think if you're new to Clubhouse, you shouldn't necessarily be so wrapped up with how many followers that you get on the platform. You should really focus in on who can I collaborate with? Who can I meet? Who can I build my network with? Because I'll tell you what, there's something really powerful about getting on a stage and actually having a conversation with someone. It's, it's very different from DMing someone on Instagram. It's, it's so incredibly different. Like I've been able to connect with so many great people. Sean Cannell, Benji Travis. I had Jasmine Starr on my show last week. I mean, Steve Olsher, I didn't know six months ago, you know? So Justin Brown, like the list goes on and on. This is a really unique time in history. It's a really unique opportunity to get on stages and to have conversations with people that you have a lot of admiration for or you'd like to collaborate with. Because when you get on a stage and you start talking, people actually listen and understand that you're not just paying for fake Instagram followers. Like, you know, when you look at someone with 100,000 followers on Instagram, you have really no idea of what that person's about or if it's real. But when you can actually hear what someone says and you can listen to the advice that they give, enormously, enormously powerful. So if you're new here, welcome. It's a great place to be. And don't get so wrapped up in how many followers you or someone else has. Focus on how can I give people useful information and how can I collaborate with people that are doing great things. So that, that would be my perspective. I'm Mark Savant. And I appreciate having the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mark. I think those are all great points. And then before we move on to the next story, Abdul Rahman, I see you raised your hand and joined the stage. What do you think about all of these Android updates happening? Hi, Hannah. Hannah, Hannah. I hope you are doing great. Everything fine with you. And hi, guys here. So I, I resonate with all what the guy said. You know, when that when you start doing Android and see people on iOS, they have a head start. But however, we are only focusing only on Clubhouse. Because what I believe now is an audio engineer and audio social media, like, you know, Twitter start doing now Twitter space and Facebook do, they are doing new things, whatever they want to do, like something with the audio. I believe now most of the, most of the social media apps will have to do, they will do the same thing, like whether it is Clubhouse, Twitter space, or whether it is Facebook, whatever you do. I don't expect tomorrow Nikki will do maybe something like that. So what I think is the audience, instead of getting like anxious, like you start here and you, you need to go and you need to work hard to grow up your follower as a content creator, how about you go to the social media where you are more focused on? Like, for example, if I assume someone he has already a lot of followers on Twitter, okay, start there. For example, you have already more followers in Clubhouse. Start there. You have more I don't know what happened with on the Facebook. Start there and interact with them like an audio, as an audio, like talk with them. Don't go like all over the social media. Maybe that will be a better grow, a better perspective. And it's not only we'll focus from one social app. Because what I believe all social media app will do the same, like whatever can about to do. But I call it social audio engineer. This is me and thank you. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You know, you're saying don't spread yourself too thin. I always talk about this in rooms like podcast office hours when people say like, should I be going on TikTok or should I be going on YouTube? And it's like, if you haven't figured out one platform yet, you really need to figure out that one platform you're going to focus on and grow your community on. And then as you keep growing, you can branch out. But to your point, I think focusing where your audience is and maybe leveraging all the features of that app. For instance, Twitter, if you're big on Twitter, they release an audio feature, make sure you use all those features and maximize that app before really focusing on other opportunities. But the other the other side of the coin is not all of these apps have great organic growth. So an app like Clubhouse, for example, I've grown my following to 11,000 followers in two months, whereas on Twitter, it would take me probably a year to grow to 1, followers, uh, 11,000 followers. You know, So I think 
you need to also look at the organic growth and the speed of growth and figure out what is going to be worth your time and what is the best investment of your time. And certainly Clubhouse has lots of organic growth available. And I'm not sure if uh, these other apps are the same. So things to think about for sure. I agree with that, Holland. It goes back to what Mark was saying. Plus, we know we're dealing with real people, right? And having conversations with real people, which is a a huge thing, whether you have a room of five people or a room of 500. But I get his point. You know, it gets to be, where does it stop? Because each week we're hearing more and more audio live type platforms coming out and uh, who are getting ready to hear about another one (laughs) soon. But, you know, it's just, I think we have to bring some sanity to it all. And I agree with you. Focus on the one that you, you feel you're building the most. I'm like you, for me, it's Clubhouse. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter and I've signed up for Fireside, but then I said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? (laughs) You know, I don't want to get my, split myself too much. So it's a good thing to look at for sure. Yeah. And a lot of these social audio apps don't have active users. And if they don't have a lot of daily active users, you're kind of creating an event that no one's going to show up to. I mean, there's definitely apps like Fireside, for example, very little going on in that app. If anybody has access to that app, there's there's lots of apps that are coming out, but that doesn't mean that there's actually users on that app. Clubhouse has the advantage because they have millions or I think 9 million users or 10 million users already, which is a lot of people that we can kind of bring into our community. So I think that's another factor as well as how many active users are on these new apps or using these new features. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to Raven, who can give us the next new story. Absolutely. I am super excited about this one. There is a brand new audio format. And let me tell you, it's a game changer. It's Shortcast. And uh, Blinkless launched this channel. It's called Shortcast. And as I said, it's a game changer in the world of podcasting. It will be available through Apple Podcast subscription this month. As Facebook announced last month, it's building its own in-app podcast player. This one will be separate from its new in-app Spotify player, Stephen Hollow, where podcasters will be able to distribute their show through their Facebook page and will opt in to it doing so. Now, according to Edison Research, 26% of U.S. podcast listeners increase the speed of their podcast as they listen so they can finish quicker. And now enters Shortcast. This short-form podcast format provides fresh, bite-sized versions of industry-leading podcasts in around 15 minutes. So produced in, in a tandem with top podcasters, Shortcasts are perfect for curious podcast lovers who want to quickly discover new ideas and learn new things, but don't. You know, they don't have the time. Shortcast defeats the the feeling of, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. And it gives so they are able to get great podcasts to choose from, but not enough time to listen to them. So I think this is going to be really interesting. I'm just curious about what your thoughts are. I think it's going to be a winner because I know on our network, we notice that, you know, people are spending a lot less time. I mean, 15, 20 minutes, we just launched a a short talk TV channel with speakers that have taken their hour-long speeches and got them down to bite size between 7 to 15 minutes. So I was glad to hear this. I'm just curious what you guys are seeing as far as this. How do you feel about it? Okay, cool. So I just want to make it super clear in terms of what this exactly is, just so that everybody really understands what's going on. So Apple Podcasts came out with Apple Podcast subscription. Now, Blinkist is this platform that basically gives summaries of really popular books. So the concept is they're bringing this concept that they brought to books, audio format books, now to podcasts, where they're going to be from my understanding, summarizing popular podcast episodes, taking like an hour-long show and making it 15 minutes so you can avoid the FOMO of not having time to listen to a really great long podcast and instead get a short version of this podcast. So they're calling it a new audio format, but I think that's a bit of a stretch. It's just literally a 15-minute podcast. Anybody can do it. 
maybe they're coining a new word, but I don't think it's that innovative. It's literally just a 15-minute podcast and you have to pay for those series of podcasts. So I just wanted to clarify that, that they're they're branding it as a new audio format, but I think that's just marketing play, you know, like it's not it's not a real new format. And then the other thing I'll say in terms of what Raven was talking about when she mentioned Facebook is that it reminds us a Facebook feature that rolled out that was announced in April, which will be officially launched, I believe, this summer. And it's called Facebook Soundbites. And essentially, Facebook users can record brief voice messages and then post those voice messages to their newsfeed. Just like you can post text or videos or pictures, now you can actually post audio sound bites. I'm pretty sure Twitter has something similar. So just in line with the trend of people wanting short audio snippets. The other thing that I'll say in terms of podcast length, I did read some data lately and there's no data that says that shorter podcasts do better. All different lengths of podcasts do well. Some two-hour shows do well. Some two-minute shows do well. The trend is that podcasts are getting shorter. And I think the average podcast is around 40 minutes long. So I think compared to last year, like podcasts are like five minutes shorter than they were. But there's nothing saying that like short podcasts definitely do better. So I'd love to hear Steve's thoughts. I know you were uh, flashing your mic there. Yeah. I'm struggling with this one. <laughs> so let me so let me see if I understand this correctly. So are you saying Hello, uh, that someone is going to take an existing podcast and create this sort of short cast for the creator? Or is this something that the creator is also then going to have to create from their existing podcast? I just want to make sure I'm clear on what your understanding is on this. My understanding is that Blinkist is going to team up with popular podcasters to create shorter versions of their podcast episode. That is my understanding. So they, this, okay, so Blinkist is actually going to then create this short form version. So you would basically raise your hand. You'd just say, okay, for Young and Profiting, that's fine. Blinkist, go ahead, do your thing. Go ahead and, and make a short form version of my hour long show, or like the audio newsroom. Like they could take, we would raise our hand and we'd say, great, Blinkist, go ahead, take the audio newsroom and cut it down to the, to the top 15 minutes or something of that nature. So that's what you're saying. You basically opt in. You'd raise your hand. They take care of everything for you. I just again just need to get that question answered before I can. No, I don't think so. I think it's like no. they're specifically. So they're launching with twelve different short casts, and they span a different variety of themes. And so, I think that Blinkist has approached popular podcasters to do short casts based on their podcasts. So for example, I'll give you an example. They said that listeners can learn about productivity from Eric Fisher in the short cast Beyond the To-Do List or Get to Grapes with Emotional Well-Being and Mental Health with Natalie Luz in the short cast The Baggage Reclaim Sessions. So I think basically they've created a series of 15-minute podcasts and they're positioning it as it's this innovative podcast format that just came out that you can pay for. It's just they created a series of 15-minute podcasts and they're selling it and put out a press. I think it's just a marketing ploy. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and it just kind of goes back to the age-old adage of, number one, how much is too much and, and when is enough as far as all this is concerned? And then also in terms of as a creator really being clear on the horse that you want to ride because it's impossible to do all of these things as, as we know. So one of the things that, that we really focus on and, and what we just implore our clients to do is to choose what we call a core visibility strategy, which is ultimately just to pick a particular platform, if you will, that you're going to focus on. And that's where you're going to put all of your efforts. It could be Clubhouse, it could be podcast, it could be Facebook, whatever it is, but just choose a core visibility strategy, right? And so it's it's awesome that all of these different platforms and technologies are coming out. And certainly again, it helps to elevate the industry of podcasting and, and audio as a whole, which is which is terrific. And at the same token, uh, and this was, I believe, what Mark was saying and then Hala, what you were saying. And again, if we compare it, so let's let's compare it one last time here to the dating industry and what took place with the dating apps really, really difficult for you to convince folks to use those apps when there's no one else on them, right? So you've got to be able to build up that critical mass. 
And the question is who, and ultimately, you know, when you look at the different platforms, who has the, the, the highest likelihood of winning in terms of critical mass? And if I'm starting from zero right now in the world of audio, I'm scared because to try to take Airshare away from Apple, from to try to take it away from Spotify, or to try to take it away from, if you're in social audio or drop-in audio, to try to take it away from Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces, that's going to be pretty difficult. So not impossible. Stranger things have happened. But I think at the, the end of the day, you got to put your money on where you think it's going to, you're going to see the best ROI. Yeah. The other point that I'd love, uh, since a lot of us in the room are podcasters and have our own podcasts, you may want to start testing shorter formats. I mean, if this is an overall trend that we're seeing that people like shorter podcasts, it doesn't mean you have to change the format of your show, but maybe you come out with a short series that you do throughout the week. So for example, I have a series called Yap Snacks which are bite-sized, digestible content that I put out typically under 20 minutes. And it's a solo episode that I do in conjunction with my weekly interviews. So I have this like solo episode and I call it Yap Snacks. And it's a way for me to test if shorter form content resonates with my listeners. So far, I found that my downloads are the same, whether it's an hour and a half long or 15 minutes, my downloads are literally almost identical. So I wonder if anybody on the stage has, have you guys seen, you know, better performance with shorter episodes or is this like a big rumor? <laughs> I, this is Raven. I found that when we do them shorter, they listen to more episodes, Holla. So they may catch three episodes instead of that one. That's what I found. Mm, that's really interesting. I have a, I have an interesting perspective on this. So, I'm really involved in in building my uh, Instagram. And right now, the most popular and most productive <laughs> tool on Instagram seems to be Reels. And you, you know Instagram is serious about something when they put an actual icon to tap directly into it on their, their home screen. Now, if you look at what a Reel does is, is it gives some sort of a message, which is not easy to do in 30 seconds. So as we move forward, we're definitely seeing that, I don't know if it's that it's more popular or I think we're just seeing the human race have a shorter attention span and have less free time, which I don't know how everybody else feels about this, but I'm just thinking about hearing like Steve Olsher's voice or yours, Hala, sounding like you're like a munchkin from The Wizard of Oz. Like that's, that doesn't appeal to me. I like to actually not only hear the message that you guys have in your podcast, but I also like to hear your voice and the quality and stuff like that. So I, I think what we're really observing is we're observing the human race just, you know, consuming at a faster rate with a shorter attention span and less time. I don't know if that's a good thing. It might translate in more downloads and subscribers and stuff like that, but I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, I think that we're just seeing a symptom. I mean, I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and um, they do not have the ability to sit down and listen to something for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And that's a shame because they might miss out on, on some really good quality stuff. So I think it's just a sign of the times. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Clubhouse is so good is you can pop into a Clubhouse room and hear a real authentic, non-highlight real conversation and pull something away and go home with it that day. So this is Dragon. I'm complete. Hey, I'd love to weigh in on this too. Just real briefly, because during the course of the last year, a lot of people weren't driving to work. And that's where a lot of people consume podcasts. So now that people are getting back to work, vaccinations are going out, antibodies are out there. I think that you're going to have people listening to pod, you know, they're going to go back to listening to those 30 to 45 minute podcasts on their commute. So, and I also think, Dragon, you know, when you look at these short form vertical videos that are just it's extremely popular, you know, on TikTok, I just think that's a completely different thing than listening to a podcast, right? When I listen to a podcast, it's because I can't actually be watching a screen. It's because I'm going for a jog. I'm going for a run. I'm listening at my workstation or I'm, you know, in the car, which is different than, you know, for, for anyone out there that's TikToking while you drive, I, I recommend against that, you know, for, for obvious reasons. But, you know, it's just, it's just different. And I, I love what Hollis said about trying different things. You know, honestly, recording solo episodes that are about 15, 20 minutes long, I think is one of the best things that any podcaster can be doing. Because when you're just listening to an, an interview, it's kind of like you're a fly on the wall. You're listening to a conversation, right? But when you listen to a solo episode, it's not like you're listening to a conversation. It's almost like 
you're having a conversation with that person directly, I think it's extremely, extremely powerful. And it really allows you to, it allows you to be more thoughtful in what you're educating your listener on. So anyway, those are a couple of quick anecdotes from, from me. Thanks for the opportunity. That's a good point, Mark. I like Yeah, thank you. And John, I saw you were flashing your mic before. I did want to give you an opportunity to contribute. Hi, yeah, this is John. And thanks, everybody, for having me up on stage. My main podcast, which is a radio show, uh, it's about 40 minutes long. It does very well. Uh, it's a, a long-form interview, personal experience. And I also have one that is a short form, designed to be 15 minutes or less, called True Crime Fighters. And more, I think it's mostly due to formatting issues, but it is done abysmally horrible compared to the long one. I mean, night and day difference. It is nowhere near where I wanted to be. And it's great content, but I have to tweak the format and see what happens because I don't personally like the way it is performing. But just a, a note, two different stories, very similar highway, but a totally different performance level. Thank you. Very interesting. Billy, it looks like you have something to add there. Well, I was just going to kind of chime in. Like I approach content creation and really podcasting is like, however long it takes is the amount of time it takes me to bring the value, bring the content, bring the knowledge, whatever the goal of the podcast is. So if that's 10 minutes, eight minutes, 55 minutes. And we see with our podcast that, you know, it's all about quality of content. And so I think that's really the, I mean, I get it. People are, I mean, and I'm less attentive. Like I move through stuff super fast but if I get something that's really produced well, that I really jive with, vibe with, whatever word you want to use, I'll stick around for an hour. I mean, I'll go watch the whole, you know, whole hour podcast or or a whole three hour podcast or listen to it or whatnot if it's you know produced well and really great quality content. So I think I think oftentimes as podcasters and content creators, we get so caught up on like what's the magic number, what's the magic time, and really it's like what's the magic that you're trying to create with your audience and to really bring value to your audience. And so I guess that's kind of my thought about it. I'm like, I mean, maybe some of those platforms are cool. Like I'm with you guys. I think it's a marketing (laughs) thing to take an hour podcast and try to make sense of it for 15 minutes. And it's like, all right, man, if if it's worth an hour, people will spend an hour on it. It's just like you only buy a house because you think it's worth the amount someone's asking for it. So I'm I'm Billy and I'm done speaking. Thanks, Billy. And it looks like Hannah has something to contribute. Let's kick it over to her. Hi, perfect segue. Like it's as if Billy kind of knew what I was about to say, which maybe it's the magic of Clubhouse vibes or something. But so I I come from the world of public radio and I also host a podcast. And so what we do is we we take our podcast. It's pretty produced. It's highly produced. It's sound rich. It's one of those, you know, kind of documentary style multiple voices expert voices, storytelling kind of podcast. So really it's about quality. So I love what Billy was just saying about if it's worth the 40 minutes, then it's worth the 40 minutes, right? Would I want to hear a straight interview for 40 minutes? Again, if it's riveting, the host is engaging, the guest is amazing, I may want to. But just to go back, so we host, I host the Stoop podcast, Stories from Across the Black Diaspora. We're in our fifth season now. And it was kind of born out of the public radio station that me and my co-host work at, which is KALW Public Radio in San Francisco, an NPR station. And so we knew from the very beginning that we want to do a podcast, but the station also said, well, we want to air excerpts on the station. And it was kind of in exchange for, you can use our studios whenever you want. You know, there was a little agreement there, you know, they couldn't offer us money. It's it's public radio. If anybody, you know, everybody knows public radio doesn't have that much money, but we would struggle to take our 40 minute, highly produced, multiple voice sound designed episode and kind of chop it because on the radio clock, right? There's limited time. So if my show that I host on the radio is a half hour, that's 27 minutes of content and it's a three segmented show. So they want us to turn this thing into 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops, right? Or if it's the whole show, 20 minutes. So it's still like half. What we've noticed is that our radio audience 
you know, it skews older, right? We always get these emails about, well, you know, what's next? You know, what's the, where's the rest of this? We try to cut it so it makes sense, but there's still this thirst and this hunger for like the remaining part. And we do say in the back announce that you can hear the rest of this, you know, on the podcast feed, but you know, there's this thing where if it's this highly produced kind of product, people want to hear more of it. So then I struggle with this idea of cutting it down, like in this huge way to like a 10 minute thing. I can't understand that in terms of our format kind of podcast. I think if it was a straight interview, maybe it would be easier, but man, like hearing this 15 minute, 10 minute stuff, unless it's a whole nother podcast, right? Like if we say, we're going to take our podcast and do two of the voices that we're talking about, right? Like the, the one, the one for, and the one against, or the historian and the researcher, like we, it would, if it was a totally different production, totally different and more work, (laughs) we must say, which for independent producers who have, you know, other day jobs and families and other things is really difficult. Now we belong to a network, Radiotopia, but still it's like every time a new platform comes up, do you have to like recreate the thing and reinvent your wheel? I don't think so. I'm not buying it. Not buying it. That's all. That's all I have to say. Thanks, Anna. And by the way, what a great voice that you have. I could listen to you all day. I totally agree. I think it is overwhelming. I think one thing that I'm toying with is like maybe taking my hour-long interviews and doing like a 15-minute summary of the conversation where if you want the consolidated version, you could get it. But then that gets tricky with satisfying sponsorships because as you become a bigger podcaster, you need to deliver on a certain amount of downloads per episode. So the only problem with coming out with like two versions of the episode is that, you know, your downloads might end up getting split between both and then you aren't able to deliver on a certain number of downloads that you've committed to your existing sponsors. And once you reach a certain threshold as a podcaster, you need to hit certain numbers at a minimum for each episode. So just putting out another piece of content in addition to what you already have on your schedule can be problematic because it can reduce your average downloads overall. So it is like a bit tricky and you have to figure out what works for you and what works for your audience. But nonetheless, I mean, the trend is people want shorter podcasts. And speaking of trends, I'm going to move into the next story. And if you guys are just joining in now, you're tuning into the audio newsroom. This is hosted exclusively on Club Pod. So if you're not yet following Club Pod, make sure you tap that greenhouse at the top of the screen and follow the club. I'm here with my co-host, Steve Ulsher, Raven Blair Glover. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. And right now we're talking about trends. So I'm just going to move into the next story. And there's two reports that just came out, one from Lisbon, and they come out with like a demographics type report each and every month. And so their April report came out and then Edison's research share of ear survey also just came out with some more information. So I'm going to try to give you guys some of the high level. So in terms of Lisbon, Americans continue to be on the move more and more each month thanks to vaccines, thanks to all the reopenings. People are starting to get back to normal. And some key data points were released from Lisbon. 86.5% of its downloads in April went directly to a mobile device. And that's up from 86.2%. So slightly higher in terms of people are starting to listen to their podcasts on their mobile device again, where they were on a desktop a little bit more during the pandemic. They also, to this point, say that desktop downloads are shrinking. So in April, 13.2% of downloads uh, went to a desktop computer compared to 13.5% of March and 14.5.7% of February. So essentially, long story short, people are starting to use and listen to their podcasts on their mobile devices more frequently now that people are starting to move around and getting out of the house. So makes complete sense. In terms of Edison's research share of ear survey, really they are trying to predict how things may shift again when people go back to commuting and other uh, work locations. So they're going to be coming out with more data soon about that specifically. But they did take a look back in terms of how things shifted when people started working from home. And it actually led to an enormous shift in U.S. audio consumption. So among 
employed persons who work from home, nearly three quarters of their total audio consumption, 72% happens at home. Meanwhile, among those who work away from their homes, only 29% of their listening happens at home. So basically, if you work from home, you're more likely to listen to your podcast at home. So that's really the only interesting thing that came out. They're going to keep a pulse in terms of the trends that are going to happen when people actually go back to work. And so we will report on that when Share of Ear comes out with their next set of findings. Paula, this is Raven. Quick question. Are they saying that because people are starting to go back, you know, to work and commute, that people are wanting to listen from their computer more than their phone? Because for me, I know during the pandemic, even though I was home, I was still listening from my phone. Yeah, so it's the opposite. Basically, they're saying during the pandemic, people started to listen more on their computer. And now that things are shifting back, they're starting to see people uh, going back to using their phone more again. Okay, interesting. Thinking listening a lot from their phone, but oh, okay. What do you guys think is going to happen once people really start going back to work? And from my understanding, I don't think people have really started going back to their corporate jobs, like places like Disney and Netflix and Google. I don't think those people have gone back to their desk jobs yet. But what do you think is going to happen? Because that is going to happen. Because I think a lot of us were worried when when the pandemic hit, I literally thought like, podcasting was over. I was so worried because I'm like, man, everybody listens on the commute. And most of my listeners tell me they listen on the commute. And so I was like really scared, but then it ended up, it went down a little bit, but then picked right back up. And if anything, you know, my show has grown 2000% over the last year. So didn't see any sort of, you know, really negative hit or anything, but what do you guys think? Do you think that it's going to change drastically? Or do you think that if you like podcasts, you like podcasts, no matter if you're working from home or not? What, what do you guys think about this? I think if you like podcasts, <laughs> you like podcasts and it doesn't make any difference. And it just depends on how you want to listen to your podcast, how you've trained yourself to listen to the podcast. I remember during the pandemic, they were saying, you know, podcast is going down, just like you were saying, Holla. And I was concerned about that, too. Our hosts were con- concerned about that. And I think it may have lasted two or three months. And then all of a sudden, like you're saying, people are seeing such an increase in there because everybody had time. Now, I don't see everybody going back to work like real soon. In fact, I've been told and and watching the news and stuff, a lot of, of the big corporations are saying, wow, you know, we were in this pandemic, but we were able to save a lot of money because we didn't have to come to these offices. So now let's let some of these workers work from home. And so I think, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many companies bring their people back in versus let them continue working from home and they save on office space and stuff. I'll just simply say this. Sorry, Steve Olsher. The fact of the matter is when you look at where we are today in terms of consumption for audio versus where we were at the beginning of the pandemic, numbers actually support pretty, pretty meaningful growth. So what's happening is as more Shows are being launched, and you can look at the number of shows that are being launched. Look, if we just look at that number in and of itself, in terms of there were about a million two hundred thousand shows right around the start of the pandemic, and now there's over two million shows that are available. You can see that that interest in the medium continues to grow. So, fact of the matter is, work from home going to continue to be that way for the foreseeable future. There are lots of companies that have already said that they're not even going back to the offices. And what's going to happen with office space and real estate, that's a whole other discussion. Save that for another day or probably not even in this forum. But what I know to be true is that how we work and where we work and when we work has shifted. And what will end up happening here inevitably, in my opinion, is you will see more folks with more flexibility. The days of having to be in the office and having FaceTime with your boss and that sort of thing those days are, are are numbered. And and so what you have the ability to do with audio that you don't have the ability to do with any other platform is have it going on in the pla- in the background. You can multitask while you're listening, doing, doing other work, et cetera. I don't see anything uh, in the foreseeable future knocking audio off of its growth trajectory that we're looking at and whether it's growth through podcasting, grow through traditional channels like Apple and Spotify and some of the others, or through drop-in or social audio, the, the numbers 
will continue in my way of uh, at least at least all the trends that I'm seeing here will continue to grow. And when we look back a year from now, anyone who thought about getting started in audio that hesitated is going to kick themselves because they didn't get started today. So it's just like the old Chinese, you know, the old, whatever the old adage is around planting a, you know, planting a tree, planting the seed yesterday or started today, right? Started today because the trend line is absolutely working in our favor and so far as audio consumption is concerned. I 1 million percent agree. And I think the other point to this is that there's so much opportunity for growth internationally. And the podcast market in regions like Latin America and in India, it's just starting now. And people love to listen to their content in English. It's the same way they like to watch English TV shows. And so just keep that in mind as well. Like it's it's not only about the US and, and what's happening in the US. It's it's the whole world. And Overall, podcasting is a new medium and there's still a lot more room to grow, I think, just internationally as well. So, Hannah, did you have something to add there? Absolutely. I think the international conversation is such an important one. I have family and friends and a lot of our listeners actually are in Africa. And there is a podcast boom. Yesterday was Africa Day here on Clubhouse, the 25th, and there were multiple rooms talking about podcasting. I was part of a, of a room to, um, of African podcasters just talking about its impact right now on the continent and how many listeners there are because these are communities that grew up with radio. And so it's just a natural progression for them to be interested in podcasts because it's also audio. And audio is so accessible there. Podcasting these podcasting houses in Nairobi and Lagos and, you know, Cape Town and Cairo, these are booming. They're growing. They're making podcasting accessible. And again, it's communities and societies that rely on radio a lot, right? Maybe not even video as much, maybe not even television as much, right? Mm. And so... And so you're having this boom around the world, which I think people should be paying a lot of attention to. Lots of listeners. That's actually a really good point. The other like point in terms of like how people consume content differently overseas is that like a lot of these countries went like they skipped desktop internet and went straight to their phones, right? Like a lot of like, for example, India, like everybody has a mobile phone. Not everybody has like a laptop. You know what I mean? So it's like people may listen to podcasts for the sole fact that it's so easily available on their phone. And that's another thing that you should consider as well. So just all super interesting stuff. Don't sleep on the international market. So I do see we had a couple people who raised their hands before we close out the room. Nikki, I see that you rose your hand. I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, contribute to the conversation if you had anything to add. Hi, thank you, Hala. I did, but Steve actually already said it. So he said it, everything I would have said. But while the last person was speaking, I actually just kind of thought of something. So we saw a huge boost in podcasting and became incredibly popular during the, the pandemic. Partway because a lot of people who had probably been thinking about it were laid off of work and was like, you know, this is my chance to go ahead and do it. What does everyone think about what happens when those people do return to work here in my city and state? There is a huge um, call out for people to return to work. A lot of hiring signs. People are begging people to come back to work. And so when these people that started the podcast go back to work, what do we think in terms of what happens to their listeners and their uh, their listenership? Mm, I think that's a really interesting point. A lot of people did start new podcasts. You know, I think it will separate the people who are serious from those who are not. And I mean, I had a number one podcast when I was working full-time at Disney Streaming Services. So it is definitely possible to run a show and have a job. Um, It's all about balancing your time. But, you know, we see podcasts fizzle out all the time. It's nothing new. Most podcasters never get past their seventh episode. So... I would say that it will sort of fizzle out the people who weren't necessarily that serious. And anybody who is serious about podcasting um, most likely will continue their show. 
And, you know, any new listeners uh, will find new shows. Most people listen to seven different podcasts. So if one of those podcasts stops being consistent, they'll probably just fill it in with a different show. So that's what I assume will happen. Raven, what are your thoughts? I'm like you. I think the, the only the strong will survive. And those people that really enjoy their podcast, whether they're making a profit or not, they'll find a way. They, I mean, you if they're doing it weekly, you're talking about four uh, four podcasts, and they can always go to the shorter version, like we were talking about earlier, and get those things all done in one day. And they're they're up for the months. And I know that's the way we train our hosts. That's a smart way to do it. Instead of waiting till the week it's due, just go ahead, pick one day out of a month and that's your production day. That's your recording day. So I think um, the strong will survive and the ones that really love doing their podcast and they have a message they want to get out to the world will keep doing it. The ones that just jumped on the bandwagon because, you know. Uh, they had something to say at that time and they had all the time to say it, <laughs> then they'll they'll probably dwindle away. Cool. All right, guys. So we're going to close out the audio newsroom. If you enjoyed this room, check us out Friday. We'll be here again, 12 p.m. Eastern, giving the latest news. And with that, this is Hala. Steve had to go and Raven signing off. See you guys next Friday. Bye, guys. Thank you. 